Welcome to Foundations of Pentecost, dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us. Father, thank You, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before You. God, I pray that You would be with us this morning. Lord, I pray that as we look into Your words, our hearts and minds could be open, receptive to what You would have to say to us. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the dealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have been in a series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We have been talking about uh, the Holy Ghost. The last couple weeks, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit and uh, what the gifts of the Spirit are. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is where we read about the gifts of the Spirit, and we are going to pick up with the last verse of chapter 12 this morning. The Bible says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then he begins to explain what it is a more excellent way. In chapters 13, chapter 14, and he begins to deal with not just what the gifts are, but how the gifts are to be used. So let's read on down through chapter 13 to begin with this morning. The Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul delineates the gifts of the Spirit. But as I said, he concludes that chapter by saying, Yet I show you a more excellent way. And he begins to outline in chapters 13 and chapter 14 what that more excellent way is and how the gifts are to be in operation in the church and how they are to be regulated in the church. Sometimes we say, well, we want the Spirit of the Lord to just have His way. And if we're not careful, that becomes almost code for just do anything you want. That is the problem that Paul was dealing with in the, in the Corinthian church is they were using the gifts. Matter of fact, Paul tells them earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, you come behind in no gift. It wasn't that the gifts were not in operation in the church at Corinth, but it was that the gifts that were being used were being used in an improper manner. And God sets down some regulations and some guidelines through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He gives Paul some regulations to tell the Corinthians, this is how you are to use the gifts. Just because you feel an urge to do something doesn't always mean that you should do it. There are some times you may feel an impulse to speak out and give a word of prophecy when you need to be silent. There are times that we use the gifts, but there are times that we control our spirit. And Paul begins to tell them these things. Yes, Brother Lloyd. I'm sorry, but I have to ask. If these are truly gifts of the Spirit in operation, and we know the Spirit gives separately as He wills, how can we, and I'm going to use the word, conjure up within ourselves the Holy Ghost to become confusion in the church? Would we not have to come to the conclusion that that's really not the us doing something and we want to attribute that to the Holy Ghost because if the Spirit's not the author of confusion, how can it be Him working through us in an illegitimate way? To me, that's confusing. Okay. First of all, a lot of things that the Holy Ghost gets blamed for is not the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm asking. Um, a lot of times, we like to say, you know, I've heard, I've heard preachers get up and say, well, God's been dealing with me about such and such and then preach a message that wasn't scriptural. And it's like, okay, God wasn't dealing with you about that because that wasn't what the Bible said. And uh, 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 
We'll get into this in just a minute, hopefully. But the Bible uh, puts it on the congregation to judge the use or the so-called uses of the gifts. And so, not only that, but there are times that God does speak. But just because God speaks to me, doesn't mean that He spoke to me for me to get up and publicly tell it to everybody else. Sometimes God's trying to tell me something, and instead of passing it off to everybody else, I need to listen to what He's trying to tell me. And so, uh, He begins to give some guidelines to keep this in order. And so the first guideline He gives us is in 1 Corinthians 13, which we so often call the love chapter. But really, He's not so much talking about love and describing love, though He does that in this chapter, as He is saying that the gifts are to be operated in love. He didn't just talk about the gifts in chapter 12, and then all of a sudden forget where He is at and start talking about love, and then go back to talking about the gifts in chapter 14. No, in chapter 13 He is talking about the gifts as well. And he says, first of all, they must be operated in love. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. The first thing he says is basically you're an empty shell if you are trying to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and you're not doing it out of love. He says, first of all, he says, he says, uh, if I speak in tongues and don't have love in my life, then I am nothing but sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. When he says that I am that that we are sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal doesn't mean a pleasant use of a cymbal in a song with the appropriate musical. He is talking about a banging gong, a a crashing cymbal that is just a bunch of loud noise. And he says. If, you don't, if you're not operating in love, then your speaking in tongues is nothing but a loud, confusing noise. Yes. If we're not really operating in love, uh, um, we are operating in the flesh. And uh, now, there are some regulations that we'll see in a little bit concerning like speaking in other tongues, that there are times that a person speaks to themselves in other tongues and quietly that is not for the entire congregation. 
And we can confuse that. And when we speak out loudly, when we should be speaking softly, um, there is a difference there. But, but to do it outside of love is to work within our own self. And uh, uh, then he says, he says, we are nothing. It is of no profit. Now we're going to see in, the, in a minute, and we talked about previously, part of the purpose of the gifts is for the edification of the church. And he says, he says, if you're operating without love, then you're not benefiting anybody. And if you're not benefiting anybody, then you're missing the whole purpose. And if you're missing the whole purpose, then is it really God speaking? Now, I mean, I'm sure all of us at times have felt that God was dealing with us in a certain way and then later realized, that was me or that wasn't. So, you know, uh, sometimes it doesn't, there can be good people that can make mistakes. So I'm not saying we don't allow and, and, and give grace. And yet on the other hand, we need to teach this stuff so that we learn to use the gifts of the Spirit and to not operate in the flesh. We forget the Apostle Paul told us that we must be filled with the Spirit. And we must walk in the Spirit. But so many times we walk in the flesh and then we want to be used by the Spirit while walking in the flesh. And so he says, he says first of all, we're an empty shelf. And then, and then he goes on, he says, the true operation of the, the Spirit in love is that we walk humbly before God. Not only before God, but before our fellow man. He says in verses 4 and 5, Charity suffereth long in his kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. That was one of the problems with the Corinthian church. They were exhibiting the what they called the gifts of the Spirit, but they were doing it to bring glory and honor to themselves. And if I am trying to impress you with my spirituality by my speaking in other tongues, if I am trying to impress you with my spirituality by my so-called operation in the gifts, then I am doing it to build myself up rather than walking in humility. And that is not the Spirit of God. That is the Spirit of man. So the use of the gifts is humility. That, that takes us back to what we talked about one of the last two Sundays, the fact that, that sometimes the gifts aren't for for general public display. But sometimes the gifts can be in operation in a conversation between two individuals. 
Sometimes God may be speaking to us to speak to a brother or sister on a private basis rather than get up and try to make a show before the whole congregation and say, hey, look at me, God's using me. And so it's, it's, it's works in humility. He says he's long, it's long-suffering. There is no pride. It is not self-serving. It is not easily provoked. And then he says, He thinketh no evil. It's without evil imagination. In other words, if God's dealing with you, and it's the Holy Spirit moving on you to speak to a brother or sister or and, and, and a lot of times the, the Holy Spirit comes to reprove. I remember there was uh, some time back, uh, it's been years back now, uh, there was a period of times, time, that uh, uh, repeatedly there was messages to not harden your neck. In the day of provocation, quoting from Scripture, and, and, and to, to uh, but a lot of times the, the Spirit comes to reprove. But, you know, if we don't operate in love, you know what we do? If there's a reproof, we start trying to figure it out and trying to think about, oh, you know, this individual must be really committing some bad sin because God's rebuking them. That's not love. And so, we do not think evil of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, he says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Rejoices in the truth. First of all, he tells us, On in the chapter. Now we know in part. But then, when that which is imperfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. We see in part the gifts of the Spirit, though God may reveal to us a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, we still don't have the full picture. We will not have and see the fullness of God until Jesus Christ returns. And so, we speak the truth and we, we love the truth, but we realize that we do not have all of the truth. And then we find that love is, is enduring and, and our love for the truth and our speaking in truth endures. He says, now abide in faith uh, or, or rather, he says, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the tongues and the, and the prophecies will cease. They'll vanish away. And yet, our love will continue. And we look for, and there is a hope, Pardon me. There is a hope. Because he says when 
that which is perfect is come. Speaking of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we speak the truth. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 tells us speaking the truth in love. The Bible then tells us as we move into chapter 14. He tells us why we use the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 3, the Bible says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. And so this gives us the reason and the purpose of the gifts. And if it is truly the gifts of the Spirit working through us, it is going to bring edification, exhortation, and or comfort to the body of Christ. Verse 7 of chapter 12 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The gifts of the Spirit are to profit the church. It is to be of a benefit to those that are there. If it is not of a benefit and building and edifying and exhorting the church as a body, then we need to keep silent. It is speaking in tongues without the interpretation of tongues in a public worship service, brings no one edification. Now, that does not mean that we don't speak in tongues when it is not interpreted if we are speaking to ourselves. But there have been times that there would be those who would loudly speak in other tongues and, and take over the service in such a volume that, that the service could not continue because of their worship or whatever uh, was going on at the time. It interrupted the entire service. But the only person being edified was the person that was speaking in tongues. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, that shouldn't be done. Don't interrupt the whole service for your personal edification. If indeed it really even is the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, those that speak or pray in other tongues need to seek to edify the church by praying that God gives them the gift of, of interpretation. If I'm going to speak out in other tongues, then I need to pray that they'll be interpreted. And if there is not an, an interpreter there, then I need to be seeking God that God gives me the gift of interpretation that I might interpret the tongues. <coughs> and so he says, not only is it to be of a benefit to the congregation, but it needs to be a distinct and a clear message. We need to understand what's being said. And what's... 
I have, I have, a, and, and I know, I know, a lot of people won't agree with me, but I think it's scriptural anyway. If we believe the preaching of the Word of God is done under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then when we back the preacher, it must be done in a way not to interrupt or make it so that the message cannot be heard. I have been in services, and I know I'm not the only one, to where they got to back in the preacher so much that you couldn't hear what the preacher was even saying. And he's going 90 miles an hour and you can see his mouth moving and you can hear he's saying something, but you can't tell what it is because they're yelling amen and hallelujah and it's tight but it's right and all of that kind of stuff so fast and so loud that you can't hear what the message is. The Bible says that there needs to be a distinct, and, and, and we don't have time to read all the Scriptures this morning, and I wish we did, but in verses 6-9 through 9 of chapter 14, he talks about unless the trumpet, or if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, then they're not going to know that there's a call to battle. There needs to be a clear sound. When, when, if the gifts, it, if it is truly the gifts of the Spirit in operation, there will be a clear sound. There will be a clear message. And just because we feel like speaking in tongues doesn't always mean it's a time to give a message in tongues. Verse 28 of chapter 14 tells us if there is not someone there with the gift of interpretation, and we know there's nobody there that has the gift of interpretation, then be silent. And so we are to give a distinct and a clear message when we are used in the gifts of the Spirit. And in saying that, this may fit later on, but I'm going to say it here. may fit better later on. But The Holy Ghost, first of all, is a gentleman. And secondly, the Holy Ghost is not going to interrupt Himself. The Bible tells us uh, to limit in chapter 14 to the messages in tongues in a particular service to two or three. And he says that by course. In other words, we don't try to talk over one another. And while there are times that I've heard a message of tongues and interpretation or a message of prophecy go forth during a, the time that a sermon, that doesn't mean when... The, when a preacher is preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is not going to interrupt Himself to give a message in tongues or to give a message of prophecy. 
Now, there are times that it may be a prompting of the Holy Ghost, but it may be wait until the proper time, and at the proper time, give the message. But don't interrupt to give a message. And again, sometimes it's because it's not really a message. It's, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. And we must learn the difference. And then he says, Yes, sir. I think we have missed it by not doing more of that. I, I will tell you, I was in a service, I almost said when and where, and probably shouldn't. But I was in a service that the person directing the service got up and started exhorting the congregation and just just pumping them up and trying to trying to and and the just just taking a lot of time and 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 uh, you know he was feeling good and so he was just and and the scheduled speaker was pacing back and forth and I could tell he had a message and he was he was ready to take the pulpit and this guy just kept going on and on and on and on and on and trying to pump up the service pump up the service pump up the service to the point i wanted to and it would have been in the flesh not the spirit but i wanted to just go grab the guy and said would you sit down the man has a message to preach the fact of the matter is he went so long that the the preacher had to, because of the attention span of the audience, had to cut his message shorter. And I know this for a fact because I talked to the preacher about it afterward. And I said, you were pacing, you were dying to get, or not, that's probably not the best terminology, but you felt like you needed to get the pulpit right then. And he said, yeah, I did. You know, so I mean, I verified it wasn't just, my own impression. So, we need this. And, and the Bible says, the Bible tells us, He says, in, in verse 29, He said, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. We are to judge the operation of the Spirit. Is it the Spirit of God? Or is it the spirit of man? I know it goes contrary to most of popular opinion. But just because somebody gets up and gives a message in tongues and interpretation, that does not mean we just accept it and swallow it and say, God has spoken. We are to judge that we are to discern the Spirit and we are to test it against the Scripture and know 
whether or not was it spoken in love? Did it follow the regulations? Did they interrupt the moving of the Spirit? We are to test that and we are to judge that and we are to see whether or not it is true. Prophecy was never considered in this scripture as an irresistible impulse of the scripture or, or of, 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 a, of the Spirit. But it was to be used in a proper manner. And it must be tested against Scripture. Prophecy, tongues and interpretation, never is raised to the level in Scripture, of Scripture. And so any time it does not align with Scripture, we go with Scripture. And there is nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm not sure about that message tonight. Something felt off about it. We need to test the spirits. We need to try the spirits and make sure that it's of God. And just along that line, we need to listen to the message that's given. We can't, we can't test the spirits if we don't listen to what's said. It bothers me, and I have heard this in churches all across the country all of my life. But it bothers me that a tongue, message in tongues and interpretation will go forth. And as soon as it's finished, whoever is moderating the service will say, let's all raise our hands and praise the Lord. Because I've heard messages in tongues where God was calling someone to an altar of repentance. And they said, let's all raise our hands and praise the Lord. It's like, that's not what the Holy Ghost just said. He didn't say, praise me. He said, repent. He said, fall on your face. And so we are to be discerning. We are to be... That doesn't mean that we're critical of everything that happens, but we're not... God never intended for the Christian walk to be just a blind faith that we just are gullible and fall for anything that's presented before us. And anything that says it's the Spirit of God, well, it has to be the Spirit of God. Try the spirits. Test the spirits. Search the Scriptures. Be willing to say, God, I don't know if that was you or not. That may have been you. And if it was you, I want to listen and I want to respond and I want to obey you. But I'm going to look at your Word until I know for sure. And I will walk in obedience to your word, but I don't know right now. Show me, help me to find in your word to know the truth. And then, not only is it for edification, exhortation, and comfort, but God is a God of order. 
The Bible says in, in verses 32 and 33 of 1 Corinthians 14, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And then in verse 40, he says, Let all things be done decently and in order. And we get up, oh, we want the Spirit to move. We want to just have chaos in our service. That's not what the Bible says. He says, let all things be done. If we go back to the Old Testament, God had a very specific plan for how He was to be worshipped. God laid out the tabernacle exactly as it was to be. There was a way to approach the altar. There was specific ways of worship that is given in the Word of God in the Old Testament. Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? then why do we believe that God laid out order in the Old Testament for how He was to be worshipped and He wants chaos in how He is worshipped today? God wants order. Now that doesn't mean the Spirit may not change some things at times as far as our prescribed order of service. God may begin to speak to us, but God does not want chaos and confusion. God is the author of order. God created things with order. It was Satan that brought confusion at the fall. Disorder is a result of the fall of man. And so God intended for there to be order. <clears throat> then the Spirit is to be controlled. When I say the Spirit, I say, mean the Spirit of man is to be controlled. I said at the beginning, just because we feel an urge to say something or to do something within a service doesn't necessarily mean... I know... This is going to go against everything that most Pentecostal preachers say. And probably some of them would say I should be set down and never allowed to say anything again. But just because you feel the urge to run doesn't always mean it's an appropriate time and place to do so. I know, that goes against everything you've heard. But it doesn't go against the Word of God. The Bible says let everything... There is a time, there is a place for us to shout. There is a time and a place for us to, to, to express our emotions. I remember one time, the service began to move in, in, in a mighty way when I was a child and, and, and just seemed like the Holy Ghost was, was moving. I mean, people were shouting. And my dad stepped to the pulpit and he said, hey, we're going to miss God. He said, I've got a message that has to be preached tonight. I need you to go back to your seats. One night in an altar, 
young lady was praying and shouting and dancing. And finally, after a while, he went to her and he was going to try to be um, tactful in the way he said it and was going to say, you're going to exhaust yourself. You might should sit down for a little while. He said, I made a slip of the tongue, but actually what I said was more true than what I meant to say. He said, you might should sit down a little while so you don't exalt yourself. So we must keep our spirit in check. And then last of all, and I'm glad I'm out of time for this point. Because I have already walked on enough things that I don't need to stir the pot anymore. But I'm going to in closing. Verses 34 and 35. He deals with the role of women in the church. It is not without significance that he's talking about in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit here. Is he saying the women should never be? No. He's not necessarily saying they should never be used in the gifts of the Spirit. But he does say if they're going to ask questions, it's not to be done in public. And a lot of times... We ignore passages like this because they don't fit what we want to deal with. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible does say it's not permitted for them to speak, but to be under obedience. I will not at this time go so far as to say that a woman is never to be used in the gifts of the Spirit during a service. But I will say that if it's really the Spirit, they are going to wait until male leadership gives them an appropriate opportunity rather than constantly, like happens in a lot of churches, the women just jumping up and taking over. I know it, it's not popular, and I'm already over time, so we don't have time to delve into it further. But the fact of the matter is, it's in the Bible. Paul writes in chapter 12 of verse 14, Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel 
to the edifying of the church. If the exercise of our gift or personal blessing does not edify the church and profit with all, love dictates that we remain silent and control our spirit. He concludes, If any man think himself to be a prophet, verse 37, or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that it would find a place in our heart and that we might walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.